please rise with me in honor of God's holy and inerrant word. If you don't have a Bible, there is a blue pew Bible there in front of you. Not sure what page it's on, but I'm sure you can find Psalm 1, page 500. So hear now the word of the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, this morning, HTC, we do have the privilege of a guest preacher. Pastor Andrew Yi is the English pastor at First Chinese Baptist Church of Dallas. He is married to Mary, and she is with us uh, this morning. And they have three kids who are in our children's program right now, and they are also uh, uh, able to come. And they're, they're on vacation, and he is willing, even on vacation, to serve us in this, uh, in this way. Uh, both Andrew and Mary grew up in Houston. Uh, they reluctantly had to move to Dallas uh, because of seminary. So um, Pastor Andrew attended and graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. And for the last four years, he has been serving at FCBC Dallas. Um, we've had the privilege of working together uh, through what's known as PACT, the Partnership of Asian American Churches in Texas, on various uh, retreats and also uh, working together on the upcoming Chinese Missions Convention South that's happening uh, this December. And so it's been a great privilege to work with him. One thing I really admire about his ministry is how he invests himself into younger men who are preparing for the ministry. He has a lot of interns that he takes under his wings, and his most famous intern is our very own Ensu Kim. And so that's, uh, that's, that's our connection, uh, as another connection with Pastor Andrew. So um, he's going to bring the word to us. So without further ado, let's give him an HCC welcome. Man, good morning, everyone. All right, I see that it's not, everybody's not quite awake yet. Um, our services start at 11, so uh, for me, this is really early for me to be uh, preaching, so if you can just bear with me as I'm still trying to wake up. I'm just joking, but uh, could we just pray one more time before we uh, uh, get into God's word this morning? Let's pray. Gracious Father, and God, as we just sung uh, this morning, God, um, oh, praise the name of the Lord. Our God, praise his name forevermore. Lord, as we now approach your word, God, may we carry that spirit of praise, God, before you. As we enter into, God, uh, the presence of God through your word, would you speak to us, minister to us? We thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen again. Once again, good morning. Um, it is a privilege uh, for me to be able to come and share God's word with you. I want to thank Pastor Fred and uh, Pastor Jason for allowing me to come share. Um, you know, I, I've only known them for maybe two years, maybe two, three years now, but um, just getting to know them over the past couple of years, uh, I mean, I just see their deep love 
uh, for the church, for the word of God, for the gospel. And um, I, I really admire them, and I, I really appreciate them for just their love uh, for the church. And I hope uh, you guys appreciate them as well. You are truly blessed uh, to have two incredible pastors uh, all these pastors that serve at this church so faithfully for many, many, many years, uh, even decades. And so you guys are truly blessed. Uh, and I, I think, you know, you should really appreciate them and tell them, you know, thank you uh, every once in a while, right? Um, so, you know, today's uh, psalm, as we just read, is on this uh, theme or this uh, topic of gratitude and thankfulness. And while we're on the topic of being thankful, you know, I think the words thank you are two of the most important words in the English language. Arguably, it's perhaps the most important words in the English language. And not just only in our English language, but in any language, right? I mean, if you go to any country in the world, the, the words thank you are in some shape or form. You'll find those words in almost any language in any country. The words thank you are in some shape or form. And I think all of us here would agree, as you hear that these words thank you, that, that you'll find that, 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 that these words are not just important, not just valuable, but in many ways they carry a lot of weight and a lot of power as well. I mean, just hearing the words thank you can completely change the entire outlook of your day. You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about my wife, and she didn't know I was going to share this, but oh well. Um, but one of the things that um, she really, I really appreciate about my wife is that she, you know, she really takes time uh, each day to say thank you to me. Right? And it's usually at the end of the day when I, when I come home, and the first thing she does, I, I come, come home, walk to the door, and the first thing she does is she gives me a big hug, and she often says, you know what, thank you. Thank you for working so diligently for our family. Thank you for working so diligently for of the church. And you know, it means so much to me uh, coming from her each day. And, and, and you know, not just for me hearing the words thank you, but for our, our children as well. And we have three children. And, and I know that, you know, because I know that, that, come, that, that our kids are constantly watching and they're listening to everything we say and do. And parents, you know this, right? You could be having maybe what you think is a private conversation, but your kids, they're watching. They're listening to every single thing that we're doing. And as a pastor, you know, one of my greatest fears is that our kids will grow up hating and resenting and the church. Many pastors' kids end up hating and resenting the church. And that's one of my greatest fears as a pastor. And so my hope and prayer is that every time that they see and they hear their mother saying the words thank you to their father, who also happens to be a pastor, that it would plant and sow seeds of gratitude in them as they grow up. You know, again, I think, again, all of us here would agree that the words thank you carry tremendous weight and power. And yet the ironic thing is we don't seem to say these words enough, right? And it's not because we're not ungrateful, it's not, it's not because we're not grateful or unappreciative, but, you know, in the busyness of life and in the, just the grind of life, these words sort of get lost along the way. And more often than not, we just forget to say thank you to the people who deserve to hear and our gratitude the most. I mean, think about the last time you sincerely thanked someone and really, like, actually meant what you said instead of just saying, you know, thank you, but really meant what you said. And so, again, all this to say, these two words, 
important words carry so much power. They can brighten someone's day. They can help heal deep-rooted scars. They can mend broken relationships. They can help and, and, and rescue marriages. And in some cases, they can even help save a life. Two very, very important and powerful words. And so what's keeping us from saying these words as often as we should? Well, I'm glad you asked because I believe that the answer to this crucial question can be found in God's Word. I know we just read Psalm 100, but what I'd like to do is to read this entire psalm once again. It's just five short verses. And so if you'd allow me, I'm going to read it in a different translation. I'm going to read it in the NIV, the New International Version. And so you don't have to turn there, but if you're already there, you can go ahead and turn there. I just want to read this entire psalm again for us as we get started here. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all and generations. Amen. You know, I have to say, Psalm 100 is one of my all-time favorite, favorite psalms. You know, I, I remember um, as a youth in high school uh, having to memorize this psalm at a youth retreat because uh, during mealtimes, our youth pastor would not allow us to uh, enter into the dining hall uh, unless our group, yet we're in small groups, and so unless our group memorized the psalm and recited it before him. So if you can imagine, you know, like a hundred and some odd kids trying, we're all hungry, we're all high school students, we're all starving, we're like, oh my goodness, we're hungry, and the pastor stop, recite Psalm 100 from memory, right? And so we, none of us would be able to eat, literally. And so it was, you know, lunch started at 12, we only had an hour to eat at the retreat, and by the time we got in there, it was like 12.50 because we'd have to go and like, I forgot, and we, we would have a mess. I mean, he would finally have mercy on us and allow us to eat. But I remember growing up and reciting this psalm uh, by memory, uh, word for word. And I think this is an incredible psalm. I think not just uh, for, for, for young people, but for all of us here. And even though it's only five verses long, I think it gives us so much insight and depth into who God is and ultimately into who we are. You know, uh, someone uh, once said that the Bible is actually shallow enough that the most immature can play without ever drowning, and yet is deep enough that even the most mature will never be able to touch the very bottom. And I think this is an appropriate description for this psalm. Because on the one hand, it's extremely simple when you read it on the surface, and yet at the same time, it's deeply, deeply profound. And what I want to do for us this morning is I want to go through the psalm uh, verse by verse so that we not only grasp how amazing it is in depth, but more importantly, how it can potentially impact our lives in a powerful and profound way. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at, uh, start by looking at verse 1. It says again, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And as we read this morning, uh, another translation that says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always wondered uh, why God would want anyone to, to shout at him. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or make a joyful noise to him or shout to him. I mean, if you think about it, you know, and just imagine like, someone walking up to you and, you know, you don't know, you have no idea who this person is. Like, you're just walking down the street and just someone walks up to you and just shouts right in your face, right? Would that elicit feelings of like, oh, wow, I, I really enjoyed that. 
Thank you for shouting right in my face, right? No. Usually, when someone shouts at you, right, there's one of two reasons. Either they're really upset with you, right? Some of you have grew up in that kind of environment, right, where everybody was just shouting, not because they were excited or happy, but because they were upset. Or maybe they just want to get your attention, right? I mean, I think about my, my own kids, and um, you know, the times I usually... Re- raise my voice at them is when I, when I try to, when I want to get their attention, right? I, it's like, hey, you know, who, who made this mess? And then they don't listen. And so I, I up the volume. Who made this mess, right? And then and you have to increasingly up the volume or else they just won't hear anything you say. So the times that I yell the most is when I want to get people's attention for some reason or another. And I, I think as adults, you know, most of us here are grown adults. I think most of us don't find ourselves shouting, and especially shouting for joy uh, very often. But interestingly, if you listen to little kids uh, playing with other little kids at the park or at a playground, you'll hear plenty of joyful noises in that playground, right? You know, last night, um, my wife and I, uh, we had a kind of a surprise in a way, a great time reuniting with them old church friends. If you haven't seen some of them for, man, almost close to 20 years. And it was great. We, we gathered together uh, for just a special occasion. We gathered together, kind of a surprise. We were able to just worship and sing uh, songs together. And we used to all go to the same church. And it was just an amazing time. And, and while all the adults were congregating downstairs and we're having serious, deep conversations and all that, we could hear that literally the kids upstairs making a whole bunch of joyful noises. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where, you know, you're trying to have a serious conversation, you hear kids just running around screaming and shouting, and you just, it's difficult to concentrate, but that's exactly in the environment we were in. And in many ways, it, it was beautiful, right? You know, but I think this captures the very heart of what this verse is saying. It's like little children screaming and shouting for joy where they're just so excited that they can't contain the joy that's inside. Yesterday, we we were able to go to the Children's Museum, and on a Saturday on the summer, and if you can imagine, there were just kids everywhere, plenty of just screaming and shouting, so much joy in that place, and other sounds that the parents were making that weren't quite as joyful But I think, again, this is precisely what the psalmist is exhorting God's people to do here. We are to shout for joy and declare how great and awesome our God is. And not just privately to ourselves or inwardly to ourselves, but outwardly and publicly because we just cannot contain the joy that is within our hearts. And, you know, I believe one of the best ways we can do this, one of the best ways that, and one of the, one of the incredible ways that we can express this is through what we do here in our corporate times of praise and worship when we sing together. And it's such a beautiful and incredible and wonderful thing because when we as a people of God gather together to sing, we have to realize and understand we're not just singing for ourselves and for our own benefit. And it's not even about just singing up to God, although that is the focus. But in many ways, we are singing to one another. We are singing over each other. We are singing to one another as a body of Christ. In other words, what I'm saying is what we do here on Sunday mornings is we're encouraging and we're uplifting one another in praise to our God. We are singing over. We are singing to each other. And this is why it says, worship the Lord 
worship. And if you look at the original language, that, that word worship is not a singular thing. It's not saying you, individual. It's you as a community. Worship the Lord with gladness and come to him with joyful songs. And so as you think about that, the next time you gather on a Sunday to worship, keep that in mind, that you are called to not only sing for yourself and to uplift your own heart, not only to sing up to the Lord, but you are to sing to one another with joy filled and joyful and joy-filled hearts. And not only this, but we are to sing and shout to the Lord, knowing who it is that we are worshiping. Let's read again what it says in verse 3. It says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now it says here that we are to know that the Lord is God. And what this means is that our worship isn't just this emotional thing that we do only when we feel like doing it. Oh, I feel like worshiping, so I'm going to sing. Rather, it means that we, it involves both the heart, the emotions, and the mind. In other words, it's our affections towards God, working in unison with the knowledge of who he is. So this means that whenever we come before the Lord God, whether it is corporately or whether it is privately on our own, that we understand and we know who it is that we are worshiping. You know, people ask, you know, like, why, why do I have to go to church? Why, why do I you know, need to, to carve out time out of a Sunday to go to church? You know, I believe that the faithful preaching and the faithful teaching of God's word is so crucial to this. Because it is through these that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of who God is. I want you to listen to what it says in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his or her delight and joy is in the law, the word of the Lord. And this is on his law. He meditates day and night. That word meditate in the Hebrew, it, it means to chew. Like when a cow chews on grass, you're just chewing all day, meditating on the word of God. And I want to ask you to think about that. When was the last time you delighted in God's word? When was the last time you really meditated and dwelled in God's word? Where it joyfully consumed your thoughts? You know, I, I, I like what uh, John Piper says regarding uh, Psalm 100. He, 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 says, he says, you know what, that's education. That's education. Know something. In other words, if you're going to shout joyfully, know something to base that on. If you're going to serve with gladness, if you're going to worship with gladness, know something to base that on. In other words, the first two standards are exaltation based on education exaltation based on education. And so what he's saying here is that our worship isn't based solely on what we feel about God, but also in what we know because the reality is more often than not, we won't feel like worshiping or singing or making a joyful noise unto him. And oftentimes we won't feel like meditating or delighting in God's word, especially when we're tired and busy. We've got so many things going on. We've got a day full of stuff we have to do in our lives, right? More often than that, we won't feel like doing any of this. But over time, you know, what ends up happening is that we wake up and, and, and then we, we find ourselves and we ask ourselves, you know what, how did I end up 
in this place? How did I end up here, God? How did I get here? You know, as a pastor, I've seen time and time again that most people who fall away spiritually, gradually, they, they gradually slip into that place of doubt and unbelief and unfaithfulness. I mean, no one wakes up and just says one day, you know what, I don't believe in God or the Bible or Jesus or any of that church stuff. I don't believe in that stuff anymore. No one wakes up one day and just all of a sudden out of nowhere says, you know, I don't believe in this stuff anymore. What often ends up happening, and just what I've found in my conversation with people is that they end up gradually, they stay gradually stop doing, they stop behaving before they actually stop believing. And oftentimes I find that this happens when we start to neglect our personal times with God in prayer and in his word. When people start to slip spiritually when they start skipping out on these times of corporate worship. And, you know, you think, you know, it's not a big deal, right? It's a Sunday. It's just a quiet, a day or two or three, a week, a month. It's not a big deal. I think what ends up happening is that we start spending more and more time doing things that have nothing to do with God. And we spend more time doing things that actually pull us away from him. And then, you know, we wonder why we feel so apathetic and dry in our faith. The truth is, the truth is we've gradually stopped worshiping. We've gradually and stopped, you know, we've gradually shifted our worship and our affections on things that are unworthy substitutes, and and the Bible calls that idols. And I don't know, some of these idols in our lives, it could be our careers. It could be some of our extracurricular activities. Maybe it could be sports or your favorite sports team. Some of, some of us are, are really religious when it comes to our sports, right? Or <laughs> well, you know what? Very subtly, it can even be our families. You know, believe it or not, oftentimes our families can be the biggest thing, the biggest idol that keeps us from seeking and worshiping God as we should. And if you're here and if you're feeling spiritually dry, apathetic in your faith, or you feel as if your heart is far from God, the truth is, you know, God is not the one who moved. The truth is you move. The good news is that God is faithful. He is waiting, and he has been waiting for you to return back to him. And if you are feeling that way, if you feel very far from God, I, I want you to know that he is waiting. He is wanting for you to come back to him. And I, want, and I want all of us here to know and just remind ourselves that, remember that he has never, he will never forsake you. He will never leave us. He will always welcome us back with open arms, no matter how far you've drifted away, and you are never too far off, and it's never too late to return to your heavenly Father. And if that's where you are today, quite honestly, if you examine yourself, and you know, that's really where I am today then I think a great place for you to start is to do what it says here in verse 4. It says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good. For the Lord God is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Now it says here uh, that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts 
with praise. And these two images of a gate and a court are, are very important because for the Israelites in the Old Testament, God had designated a specific place for God's people to bring their sacrifices and offerings as an act of worship to him. And you have to understand, this took a lot of planning and preparation in order to actually do this. I mean, it wasn't as if they could just wake up one day, you know what, I'm going to roll up into the temple and I'm just going to worship. Here I am, God. It's not as if, you know, like many of, some of us, we woke up an hour ago and said, you know, I'm just going to roll up into church with whatever I just woke up wearing, right? Some people do that. That was not the case for the Israelites. It wasn't that they can just roll up to the temple and say, here I am, God. There was a lot of preparation, a lot of planning involved in order to bring their offering. And not only that, once they got there, they had to go through a whole bunch of steps in order for their offering and their worship to be even acceptable to God. It means that it involved a great deal of work and preparation. And I'm not saying that this applies today. I'm not saying that you need to go home and bring your goat or bring your cow to church and offer it up on this altar. We're not saying any of that. Christ obviously has paid the penalty. He is the perfect lamb. But there is something to be said about preparing our hearts and our minds and our bodies for worship. However, I think some of us see that something that you know, we, we see worship as, as something that we do just a couple hours or an hour one day of the week. But, you know, what we do here on Sunday mornings should be an extension of what we do throughout the week, an extension of our personal times of worship and devotion throughout the week. Because, you see, Sunday mornings were never meant to replace or substitute our times of worship Monday through Saturday. You know, some of you may know... Um, the World Cup is happening right now. How many of you are fans of the World Cup? All right, all three of you. All right. Um, okay, I, I love, I personally, I love the World Cup. I love the World Cup more than the Olympics, okay? It is, I will wake up at like the middle of the night to watch a game. Not so much the Olympics. Just show me the highlight reel. I'm good, right? Show me the medal count. But the World Cup, I love watching uh, the World Cup. And it's amazing to see what these athletes can do with, their, with a ball and their feet. It, it's just, it is a beautiful game. But as you think about this, you know, when you look at all the athletes and all the players in the field, it's not as if they just woke up one day and said, you know what, I want to play in the World Cup, right? I don't care. You could be the worst team in that whole entire World Cup. No one just woke up one day and said, you know what, I am going to play in the World Cup today. Suit me up, coach. Every single one of them had to put in a lot of hard work, hours and hours, days and years of dedication and preparation and practicing with their teammates before each game. They can't just show up that day and say, you know what, coach, I'm ready to play. Give me some cleats and a ball. And likewise, we cannot expect to just show up on Sunday morning and say, you know what, God, here I am, just bless me, without having spent time worshiping and communing with him throughout the week. And so instead of seeing our time, this hour here on Sundays, as the main course for our spiritual growth, I think we should see it more like the dessert at the end of an incredible meal where we've already spent time enjoying God in prayer and feasting on his word during the week. That when we do come here on Sundays, we're eager and we're ready to worship with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. 
I mean, what would it be like if you were to see our times here on Sundays in this way of seeing it as the main course? That we would see it as a culmination of all the things that we've experienced and heard and seen from God throughout the week. You know, I think we would do exactly what it says here in these verses. We would enter joyfully. We would enter his gates joyfully with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Why? Because we've tasted and we've seen God's goodness. We've tasted and seen his love and his faithfulness in our lives throughout the week, Monday through Saturday. You know, that Hebrew word toda in verse 4 uh, is translated as thanksgiving, uh, which I think is an appropriate uh, translation because in the Old Testament, um, you know, this word was uh, most often used in reference to giving a gift or an offering to someone in a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude. And I feel this idea is so important to us because it wasn't just about them bringing something. It wasn't just about them bringing their offering, but more so about the attitude of their hearts. And likewise, it's not so much about what we bring, but more so about the attitude of our heart. And I believe this is why it's translated here as thanksgiving. It's not just giving. It's not just thanks, but it's thanksgiving because it really is an attitude of gratitude that leads us to action. In other words, it's our attitude of thankfulness to God for what he has done in our life that should lead us to offering our worship and our praise up to him. But interestingly, we tend to do the opposite, don't we? And we think that if we just do enough or give enough, that he will bless us, that he will change us. But if you take a look at the Old Testament, especially in the prophets, you'll see over and over and over that God detested and rejected the offerings of his people because their hearts were so far from him. He says, what good is your offering to me? What good is what you're doing if your heart towards me is cold and far and hard? And so we need to examine our hearts. We need to examine our hearts and we need to check our attitudes before we step in, before we come to worship, whether it's alone in a room by ourselves or in a room full of people. Because at the end of the day, the heart behind a life of worship comes from this attitude of thankfulness. And this is why it says that we are to enter into his presence with thanksgiving, where we say, thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your love. When we wake up and pray each day, first thing, God, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness and your love for me today, even before the day has unfolded. We pray over our spouse and our children before going to bed at night. We say, God, thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love for our family. And when we come here on Sunday mornings, and the first thing we do, even before a song is sung, even before a good morning is said, is we pause and we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your goodness, your faithfulness, your love for this church. You know, I believe that this simple prayer has a power to change everything. It could just be a sentence but I believe it has the power to change everything because God, I believe, will start to change our hearts from a spirit of ingratitude and self-centeredness that the world often tells us that we should adopt into a spirit of gratitude and humility 
and thankfulness before him. And not only this, but I believe that this attitude and spirit of thanksgiving will start to spill over to the rest of our relationships as well. It will begin to impact our relationship with our spouse and our children, with our friends and our coworkers, even our relationships within this church. But first and foremost, it's got to start with us. And it's got to start with our attitude. And as I said before, this happens when we start spending time worshiping him on a daily basis. You have to understand that worship and, and giving thanks to him is not necessarily for God's good. It's not, it's not like as if God is like, oh, man, I, 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 I can't go throughout the, my day if he doesn't wake up and give thanks to me. It's not as if God really needs that. It's not to make him feel better about himself. But more so, ultimately, it is for our good. And I think one of the best things that we can do for ourselves is to worship the one who is truly worthy of our worship. But again, the problem is that we often cheapen our worship by giving it to much lesser things, giving it to, what I said before, idols that quite frankly aren't even worthy compared to the one who is truly worthy of our worship. And as I close, I, I, I want to share a story with you. Uh, a couple of years ago, our family was, um, we went to California to visit some friends, and we were treated to a, a very nice dinner at, at the famous uh, Din Tai Fung restaurant in uh, Glendale in L.A., very, very nice. Right? I don't know if any of you have been there. We ended up having to wait an hour, almost two hours, just to eat. It was ridiculous. But anyway, um, we ate at Din Tai Fung. I didn't pay, so I didn't care. So... Um, and for those of you who may not know what, what this Din Tai Fung is, they're famous for their soup dumplings, okay? Um, they've even received a Michelin star, uh, which means that, you know, they're worth going to. You can go from whatever around the world to eat there, right? It is world-renowned. Of course, we ordered, you know, a bunch of soup dumplings, our families. Uh, it was uh, four adults and six kids, so it was madness to begin with. Um, so we ordered a whole bunch of uh, soup dumplings. And, you know, honestly, I, I ate one. I thought, you know, that's pretty good. I mean, it's just it's all right. You know, I love dumplings. I'm a fan of it. But I'm like, that's all right. It's not like Michelin star worthy. I'm not like my mind, my life is not transformed, right? Uh, you know, but, you know, my oldest son, my oldest son Justin, you know, uh, he, he, he's not like a picky eater, but he likes specific things. And um, my son Justin, he thought it was the best thing he ever ate in his whole life. It was revolutionary for him, right? After the trip, he's like, Dad, when are we going to go back and eat soup dumplings, right? And he just kept bothering us, and he thinks the best thing I've ever eaten in my whole life. I think he ate like maybe one or two trays all by himself, okay? But, you know, but just imagine, right? Just imagine after eating what he considered to be the best dumplings in the entire universe, his words. You know, what if I were to just to go to like 99 Ranch, and buy some generic frozen dumplings, right? Soup dumplings, $5, right? It's much cheaper, son, right? And so what if I were to just go to 99 Ranch and, you know, buy some of that and say, you know what, here you go, some soup dumplings. It's just like Din Tai Fung, right? And after tasting it, though, he would immediately know that it's not the same thing. In fact, we tested that theory out. We bought some soup dumplings, and I was like, it's just like Din Tai Fung, right? He's like, no, Right? Um, because there's a big difference between store-bought and frozen dumplings and handmade soup dumplings from Michelin star-rated Din Tai Fung. And to say that it's the same would be an insult. Not, not only to the restaurant, right? But it would be an insult to my son as well. But, you know, as I thought about that, the thing is, we often treat God the same way. We treat God the same way. 
and we insult him, when we say and we give our worship so freely and so easily to much lesser things, that, that isn't the same. And it's so easy for us to rave and praise and share and shout about what we ate or what we bought or what we experienced, where we went. But when it comes down to raving and praising and worshiping our God, it's a completely different story, isn't it? But again, we need to embrace this truth that God alone is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of all of our adoration and our worship. And so in light of what we read here in Psalm 100, just as we close, I'm going to just challenge us to do one simple thing this week as a way of application. I would love for us to go home this week, Monday through Saturday, and recite this psalm each day. It's only five verses. Short. It'll take you less than a minute to recite it. Go home and recite this psalm each day. Do it first thing you wake up. And if you're not a morning person, do it before you go to sleep. The last thing you do before you put your phone down before you go to sleep. And if you have kids, and do it together with them before they go to bed. And even though you may not feel that you don't have much of a reason to worship or anything, or even to be thankful right now, I want to encourage you to give it a try this week. Just give it a try. And who knows, God might begin to change your heart and your attitude. And so wherever you may be today, whether you feel close to him, or whether you feel far from God, or even if you don't really know God here, I want to challenge you and encourage you to take a minute or so each day this week to recite and to pray this simple psalm, Psalm 105 verses, because at the end of the day, the heart behind a life of gratitude and worship really stems from a heart, an attitude of thankfulness. And I believe by doing this, it will help nurture that heart of gratitude in us. And I believe that it will start to impact not only our lives, but the lives of the people around us in a very powerful way way. Would you pray with me as we close? Gracious Father, once again, we thank you, God, for your word. And God, thank you for the incredible reminder that we are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Thank you for the incredible reminder and your word that tells us that, God, that you are always with us. And God, I pray that the people here at HCC, that the people sitting here today, that God, that you would begin to do a work in their hearts that as we have just read your word, that by your spirit you would do a work in changing our hearts from a spirit of ingratitude, from a spirit of self-centeredness, from a spirit of, of just self-focus, God, to a spirit of worship, thankfulness, gratitude, God. And God, I pray for this church. I pray for ACC that, God, that it will be a beacon. That, God, that those who see and, and this place would see it as a place where that spirit of gratitude and thankfulness just permeates this place, God. And, God, I, I pray, God, that in all things, Lord, in all that we do, that, God, that we would be able to point people uh, to you, to the, to the incredible goodness and faithfulness and the love of God. But Lord, let it start with us. So convict us, challenge us this week, God, that we would be people who, who live, God, for you. We thank you. 
And we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.